Thanks for joining us today for the Post Traumatic Faith Podcast, a place where trauma, hardship, and challenge meet faith and hope for the future. Here is your host, Jill Riley. Welcome to Post Traumatic Faith. Season three has arrived. I am so excited to share with you this season new guests, new topics, and some great conversations. So tune in every week on Fridays. We will have a new episode. Also this season, we will celebrate our 100th episode. So stay tuned for that. Just happens to fall on my birthday, October 28th. So we will have a big celebration. Thank you so much for joining us. And here's today's guest. Welcome to Post Traumatic Faith. This is Jill Riley, and today I am joined by Doug Setter from Vancouver, Washington. How are you? I'm great, Jill. I'm actually Vancouver, Canada. I thought you were in Washington. I am so sorry. It's all right. <laughs> I, you know, it's easy to get it confused if you don't know that there's two of them, isn't it? Yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about Doug. Doug is a certified fitness instructor and former paratrooper, United Nations peacekeeper, military instructor, and kickboxing champion at age 40. He holds a Bachelor of Human Ecology, Food and Nutrition, and has run five full marathons and climbed Mount Rainier. Doug is the author of several books, including Flat Gut After 50 and Flat Gut After COVID. You are a busy guy. Trying to. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, how did you get into marathon running? Well, you know, I I, uh, I couldn't make any of the sports teams at school, so I just used to run a lot. And then I joined the army, and you could, you know, you, you could drink or watch TV or work out, and half the time the gym was closed, so I go running. And then um, one time I heard this someone talked about a ten miler, and oh, and oh, it's a big mystery, and I, I don't know what the heck, what did it. And 10, well, what's 10? 10 is 15. And then next thing you know, there's a 20. And I thought, well, and there's always this mystery about the marathon, right? Right. So I, I did one, and oh, my God, it was so horrible. I never wanted to do it again. <laughs> and then, <laughs> wait a minute, this is real, real high. So I, I, did, I did a few more, and I did some halves. But uh, there's just something about it. You get to a certain point where it, it sucks to stop. It's, it hurts to go on, and something inside just goes, go and it just at the end i don't care how much you hurt there's just, just an incredible feeling at the end so that's great that's yeah. great so where have you run your marathons at i did um in vancouver ottawa which is the center of canada and a place mm -hmm. called manitoba which is just south or sorry north of north dakota really hot weather and i also did a, i did a 20 miler in uh, fort bragg north carolina wow it's so hot you're you see the salt uh, uh, staining your, your arms from the heat, but, um, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And you were a paratrooper. How long did you serve in the military? I served about, uh, altogether about 29 years. I served full-time four years and I joined the army reserves, but, uh, yeah, it was, to me, it was always the, 
I guess in the States, be like a special forces, a ranger, a Navy SEAL. And right. Here in Canada, the big deal was paratroopers at the time. So I, I got in the Army like about 120 pounds. I had to, uh, I remember drinking as much water as I could and stuffing, putting things in my pockets so I could make the minimum weight. Yeah. And I, and I just, the guy, the clerk was in a hurry to wave me through anyway. And so I, I, <clears throat> I remember just working at this to be a paratrooper was my big dream. And, and so I, I lifted weights, I ran, I put on about 40 pounds of muscle, and I finally got accepted to the, the course, which was quite something. You, um, you, you get up in the morning, you, you do your PT, and then you go run, run, run a mile to the center, five chin-ups in the door, put on your gear, and every time you're making mistakes, you're doing push-ups. Lots of mistakes. <laughs> and you, you couldn't hold down. I mean, it was, it was a great, it was an amazing experience. Um, but yeah, that was that uh, you have to carry a bunch of weight and you jump out of a plane and you hit the ground running. That's uh, wow. It's good development for every young person, I think. Yeah, definitely. I have kids in the armed services, and I just appreciate anybody who who goes through that rigor to uh, to um, serve their country. I, I just am really humbled by that. So, were you raised in Canada? Yeah, I was. I was born in. Um, up, up the coast of BC, mm-hmm. and then my, my father died when I was five, and uh, my mom moved around, raised us, and uh, yeah, I grew up mostly in Canada. I've traveled a bit. Okay, cool. So, what was life like for you growing up up there? Uh, a little awkward because I was, uh, you know, just underweight kid. You know, I was very active, but I just didn't have the size and strength. So, I got, to, and my mother married a. I'll be blunt. He was an alcoholic, so it was kind of a bad father figure, if you will. Um, and and you, you learn a bit. You kind of accept that after a while, and you walk on eggshells. And when you go to school in the outside world, you kind of accept not the best treatment. So Right. Yeah, I used to be on a losing end of a lot of the scuffles, if you will. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but I joined one summer, I joined the Army Reserve, and it was at that would give me a lot of confidence. That gave me much more confidence myself. The discipline, you know, the strictness and that. And then I just got physically stronger and stronger. Yeah. And, um, got my butt kicked one time, so that's it. So then I learned to kickbox and martial arts. And I went from there. But yes. uh, So, you know, addiction is... Um, I don't think people who haven't been through it understand um, the effects of addiction on families and on relationships. Can you speak to that a little bit? Definitely. Definitely. It's not, it, it annoys the heck out of me when I, you know, my own, my own sister died. She drank herself to death, if you will. And it, and it, was, it was brutal going there to the hospital for five weeks every day, you know, and you get that, that sterile smell. And, and it's like, you know, you, you uh, it's, it's not just one person falling on drunk or getting high. It, it affects, it's like a crime victim. You know, yes. when you get robbed or assaulted, it affects you. It affects your family, it affects your community. And, and then people say, oh, well, no, it's not okay. It's, it's mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I agree totally. I've, I've watched it time and again. It, it's not an individual disease. I'm sorry you lost your sister. I lost my sister to uh, prescription drugs. Wow. And, and it does affect, it's got a ripple effect, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You yeah. know, 
you know, and it's not harmless. It, uh, it yeah. I, and I know it's in the military. They, they with all these drinking games and stuff. But after a while, you're looking around, and go, wait a minute. You know, one is fine, but let's get on with it. This is yeah. This, this isn't the life I want. No, it's not. So yeah. So what led you to peacekeeping? Well, you know, I always want you did the training. You know, the army training, the military training, and then this. The only thing, then this thing came up, Yugoslavia, and it was like a piece of history. And I just wanted to, I quit my job. And I said, I'm going to go do this because at the time, what well, we had Rwanda, we had Yugoslavia, Bosnia, Herzegovina. We had, it was like the gates of hell opened up and Syria. And I just said, you know what? I want to, I want to be part of this. I want to do something good. Mm-hmm. So what does it, what does it mean to do peacekeeping? What kind of work were you doing? You're kind of policing people. Like there's two fighting, fa- actually there's lots of fighting. You're kind of policing them, bringing aid in. But I, I'd say 90% of it was keeping your own act, wire, own act wire tight because it was so easy to get stressed out, so easy to go. But you go in there and they, you know, the Croatians were attacking the Serbians and et cetera. But it was like you're, you're, you're going down the middle line and you're trying to add stability to that place. Mm-hmm. yeah talk, talk to me about the mindset that it takes to keep yourself on track and to not um not fall into the desperation and the frustration and the anger of the situation how do you keep your mindset um good well you know what? i'll share a story with you because I, I well two things i'd get up every morning because i was a sergeant and these people are relying on me my my, my section and also had the mindset that I'm doing good here. That's what keeps it together. But we're falling apart there for a while because it really, it was getting very depressing. And I'll never forget one day we're building up this area and we're getting things stolen, people calling you names and they, you know, our own media call, you know, breaking down. But I'll never forget, we're working hard and the guys are with me. They're all cursing, they're all in a bad mood, bad morale. And I'm yelling at them to get their act together. And this woman shows up out of nowhere. I'll never forget this. And she's, she's got, uh, you know, her hair's a mess. She's missing teeth. And she's got this little tray of coffee. And I'll never forget that. And I'm looking at her. Are you crazy? I mean, there's bullet holes on these buildings. There's, there's devastation everywhere. And, and she comes up to us. I thought, oh, my God. You know, I'm looking at this going. And, I, you know, and we, all, we all went up, have a drink of coffee. And I'm looking at her. And I, you know what? And I'm looking at her, my dental work probably costs more in her whole house. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that. And we drank the coffee, said, you know, thank you. Everyone. And everyone, I didn't hear a peep but everyone for the rest of that day. Mm. Never forget That's that. powerful. You know, the, the power that human kindness um, can, um, can warrant in other people is pretty amazing. Yeah, I was just blown away. Yeah. Just like, wow, what, you just risked your life coming here because there were people just over the hill about to attack, and that's why we're there. And, and you took the time to give us a cup of coffee. Like, wow, that's stunning. So you were in the Balkans and Croatia? Yeah. And where else did you go? Uh, just Croatia. That was my own only mission. There was mm-hmm. um, other parts of the Balkans. Um, I had an opportunity to go to Afghanistan, but I was going to school at the time. I said, no. Um, 
kind of mixed feelings. And the next friend of mine went over and the friend, another friend of mine said, look, take Doug with you, back you up. And then Trevor Green, very humanitarian uh, officer, he got hit with an ax. He mm. took his helmet off as a sign of respect to the elders. And then he was tacked behind and he's paralyzed. He's, he's actually in a wheelchair now, but he's actually, he's actually coming back. It's amazing. Wow. Uh, I know. I, I saw him one time and he could barely move one hand. I said, what are you doing? He goes, he have to, he'd have to struggle every breath. He goes, what do you think? <laughs> and he wrote two books like that. And now, now he's trying out exoskeletons. Now he's, he's, you know, moving more, but like just amazing. 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 That's, that's crazy. What do you remember besides the lady bringing coffee? What do you remember about um, the Croatian people and what was going on there? Well, you know, it was, it was, uh, I'll never forget one time they did a raid and these guys, you know, kicked in the door and took all their, their rifles and whatnot. So, so the next day, guess who has to go there and talk to them? Like there's a different team went in and, and so, oh, great. You know, send in a new, you know, so I got, I got in my vehicle, big, big armor carrier. And like, I'm rolling up and I go, here it comes. They're going to be angry. Right. And I just, and the one guy come on, he looked at me and go, people, which is Croatia for beer. And I look at my guys and they're looking at me like, like, you know, puppy dogs. And I said, okay. And so we sat down and had a beer with the, the Croatian army. And it was so amazing. We talked. We couldn't talk much. We talked sports. It was hilarious because Leclerc and I talked hockey, and I told him I do running. And he goes, "Oh, running!" He goes, oh. he goes like Ben Johnson, eh? <laughs> he goes, oh, "No, no, no." He talked Carl Lewis, and we're laughing. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. And so we traded food, and we, and then he wanted more beer, and I, I go, "Well, you know, I'll be troubling." So I said, "No, name a name, you know, if that means officer." And he goes, "Oh, yeah, I understand." And and yeah, and went around the corner, and I. I took my guys and said, okay, <laughs> we're supposed to drink on the job, but we had to do it this time. We're cool with that. And they go, yeah, yeah. And so it was okay. After that, it wasn't so bad because you, you, you went, you waved. We, we understood we all both had jobs to do, right? Right, and right. First time we really dealt with the what was starting to be the enemy. I started, you know, these guys, they just want to go home. They just want to watch TV. They just want to be with their families. They don't. There was a couple of mean ones. I could tell, but for the most part, they had enough. They might go play soccer. They don't want. They don't want it. Don't yeah. Want what's your What's your feeling about what's going on in the Ukraine right now? Uh, I got mixed feelings because my because my grandmother was escaped the uh, what's called Homolodar, which with, with millions of Ukrainians were starved to death. They had to flee, and I'm I'm uh, I got mixed feelings. One, I want to just fly over there and start training, training the soldiers. Cause that's what I do. The other hand, I, I think like, my gosh, why, why can't we stabilize this? Because uh, mm -hmm. it's going to be, uh, it's going to be follow. But my first gut feeling was go, you know, go help defend the motherland. But I don't know if it's being dealt with professionally. I don't want to go with a bunch of yaks. don't know what they're doing. Yeah. It just seems to be, you know, um, at this point, I mean, by the time by the time this podcast airs, who knows where where we'll be at? But at this point in the spring, when we're talking, um, it just feels like it's decreasing in its stabilization, and 
it feels like at this point, maybe we should be a little further down the road, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard from people there and they say, well, half the things you see on the news isn't true. There's old beat up buildings anyway. And then I'm trying to pick different sources to find out exactly, but I don't like it personally. I know it's a strategic part, but again, I guarantee there's Russians that don't want to be there. There's Ukrainians that don't want. Always. There's people that don't want it to happen. That's true. That's true. So now how in the world did you get into kickboxing? Well, I, I, um, well, you know, young men do have disagreements sometime and and I was doing some martial arts and one night I got a good, uh, bad beating. We got tossed around. I said, that's it. So I, I found this place was full contact karate and the guys training, they're all like state provincial level. So, um, I learned it. I liked it. I, I won. I, I did some matches later on. I, I trained with a, a gung fu guy. I was like the only white guy in class who's hilarious. And uh, so my my seafood there goes once took me over to Hong Kong, and uh, they treated me really good. And yeah, I, I, you know, it went there, and I, it was just a really good um, good feeling. So later on, I I started teaching people. And then I did teach women's kickboxing, and they asked me. So I said, "Well, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know if I'm qualified." But I had a really good time, and I, and some people got very good at it. One of the gals broke some guy's nose that was bothering her. Another, uh, there was one where she's just a real neat gal. She was a uh, veterinary assistant. She says, "Yeah, this 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 um, her boyfriend got into it, and the guy had him had her boyfriend against the wall, choking him. So she stepped in." Upper kept the guy in the ribs, knocked the wind out of him. I said, that's my girl. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, yeah. but, but the kickboxing was good. It was a system, you know, it was a mm-hmm. method. Um, what did you, people. what do you like about that method and that system? To the point. It's very basic, very basic. You have four punches, and two or three kicks and end of story. And you do. And what I liked was I, I wasn't afraid of being hit because I know it sucks, but it's okay. It's not the end of the world. If I shift, it doesn't hurt as much. And distance, timing, fitness, these things all tied together. Whereas, whereas uh, a lot of martial arts, they're very they're so diverse and complicated, it's hard to apply them. But uh, kickboxing, yep, tuck in your chin, <laughs> keep your head down and go. Yeah, neat. So from all of your fitness involvement and everything, you started writing books. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about some of the books that you've written. I wrote one called Stomach Flattening because people ask me about it. And I wrote uh, <clears throat> the Stomach Flattening, um, Reduce Your Alcohol Craving. Because I, I, it was interesting. Just just when I finished, then I had to go see my, my sister in the hospital. Um, and I wrote, I actually wrote a fiction piece too. About about a you know a young guy who you know he's, he's being bullied and he, get, he 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 helps out a gangster and the gangster in turn helps him find his confidence and, and uh, um, strength and confidence. But uh, and then later on, it flat cut after fifty because when, when you're not twenty anymore, not living at your mom and dad hotel, it's harder. So various things. And then yes, yeah, and, and, and 
Well, you know, tell me, tell me this. Um, so I was talking to my, um, to my primary care physician and I said, you know, I'm working hard. I work out four or five times a week. I eat good. And it's like, everything is just expanding. And she said, she goes, you know, Jill, you, you just made this for me just be where you are. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, but I'm 50. I don't want to be that way at 50. I want to be the slim and fit and you know how how do you get there oh just uh you know what is it just well first of all you and i'll tell you this is just an observation you probably push the limits and you probably don't get enough sleep you probably <laughs> <clears throat> and so i would back up a bit get the sleep get the high protein diets Lower, lower the, you know, it, it was natural. Cut, cut out the white carbs, the white rice, sugar, flour, and don't beat yourself up. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't gain, I didn't gain muscle strength. So I just finally calmed down. I just said, you know what, it's going to come when it comes. So I, I yeah, and that was it. And, and uh, but yeah, get a plan. Don't don't go overboard, but just uh, get that sleep. Seriously, you got a triangle, yeah. right? And I'm, I'm one of the worst for offending that, but I find that exercise, nutrition, and rest and try yeah. it. You'll be surprised how much how your body starts feeling better. Yeah. I, that, I mean, it makes sense. It seems like um, it's a simplistic message, but everybody says the same thing, you know, yeah. that, you know, it, you need those three things and for your body to be sustainable and, and be healthy. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's true, and and it's the basics too: the, the sunlight, the fresh air. The like, I just mm-hmm. got the weekend up at uh, there was a, a discount on a ski resort. It's called Whistler Ski Resort. And ah, Whistler's. Whistler, yeah, and I, you know what? I did some writing. I did a bit of workout, but for the most part, I just walked around, took it easy. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, I better now. So you got to <laughs> let yourself recover. Yeah. So at what point did you become a certified fitness instructor? I think back in 96, actually a dating analogy helped me with it. And I just said, well, I'll go there and do it. You know, the option of uh, 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 resistance training, which is weight training, exercise and music. I, well, I'm pretty small and no one will take me serious. So I took the exercise and music. I'm the only guy in class and I had no coordination. <laughs> I just jumped in. But you know what? In the end, I... I, uh, I put together my own cardio kickboxing session and I just jumped in there and people loved it. And, you know, and it was funny. I made a lot of friends and they, they said, Oh, you missed your beat again, Doug. And, yeah. Okay. And so, <laughs> you know, and I was, I would I technically I should have failed the test, but they just said, yeah, you're so intense. Smile, you're hard to follow. Blah, blah, blah. And they liked it. So, okay. You know, I broke all these rules. So that was a start. And then later on I got the weights and then the Pilates and, and uh, other things, but uh, it was, yeah, it was very, it was scary. Yeah, that would be, I mean, any kind of a new, when you're stepping into a new field and, and it, the unfamiliarity of it can be a little intimidating. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I remember going to class and I just was, I was already sweating. It's okay. Just follow me. And, and I just do the thing and I turn around and they're still there and, and the gals are, you know, they come in with their sweats on and then they got these tube tops. So I'm, I'm, you know, Looking at the crazy farm, following me, right? <laughs> yeah, 
you know, guys <laughs> broken noses, and there I am teaching women. They thought it was funny, but they turned out to be the best students ever. So, so yeah. what is your favorite modality to train in? Is it kickboxing? I got to admit, yeah. Yeah, I like that and the power yoga because the power yoga, it just, it feels, you just, you're involved the whole thing. That's yeah. Not, but I mean, weights, don't get me wrong, but, you know, kind of repetition is like, so it's, it's just not that exciting. Just- now, here's, here's something that I have discovered is people who don't do yoga or who have never done yoga don't know or understand the strength and the power oh. and what, what it takes to do good yoga and also the benefits to your mind. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That was part of when I was, I was working up, up north as a Morse code operator. And I remember digging out an old yoga book and I remember every morning getting up doing like an hour and and that's when I just started looking around going hey I don't want this you know and I stopped I stopped drinking I just stopped I just I don't, I don't want to be here anymore mm-hmm. and I thought I could think more clearly yeah you're absolutely yeah. right yeah it's a, it's a powerful tool for sure so what part of your work um and your life has been the most gratifying I'd have to say training people. Just, but I, you know, the other day I was working a labor job and a guy came up to me and he recognized me. We're just talking. He goes, you know what? You're Sergeant Center. And I said, oh, heck, you know, he's going to be, you sometimes have disgruntled, but he goes, oh, you know, that was the greatest thing. That day you took us out. I go, yeah, I guess so. And he goes, oh, yeah, my backpack's overhead and we're doing this and you're running this around. Oh, that was the greatest thing. And okay. And he goes, because now, now I can handle anything. And that, that was the most greatest compliment anyone ever gave me. You know? That's awesome. That's great. And where do you see yourself going in the next 20 years? What do you think? What do you, what are your goals? My goal is to develop, develop courses to, to enable people to get stronger and fitter mentally and, and physically and, and morally, if you will. Um, that's what I want to do. That's my next project. I want to do that. And, uh, I want, um, I want to take my daughter place. So I want to show my daughter. I have a daughter. Uh, and just show her real cool things to do. She wants yeah. to do So I started writing a script for her, you know. And, and But big, right now, I want to write and, and, and develop courses. That's my next stage because physically, I, I can only do so much. Yes, definitely. So where can people find out uh, more about your books and more about you if they want to discover oh. a little bit more about Doug Setter? Where do they go? Just www.dougcenter.com. All over. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's easy. And so are you, <laughs> are your books available on Amazon or where yeah. are they available? All, all on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, hey, Doug, I, I just, you've lived an incredible life and I just thank you so much for sharing a little bit of, of it with us today. Well, thanks, Jill. No, this, this is really good. I'm glad. I'm late to the point. And by the way, I don't care. This has been a really good experience. <laughs> well, I lo- loved having you on. Have a great day. Thanks, Jill. You too. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can find Jill at JillRiley.com, on Facebook at JillRiley.author, Twitter at JillRileyAuthor, and Instagram at JillRiley.author. Also, feel free to send Jill an email at Jill at JillRiley.org. Thanks for listening in and have a great day.